This is Rocket Mountain Cold Cases. I'm Adam, and that's Rachel. I'm Rachel, and that's Adam. These episodes, they're a little bit minis because, well, what we're going to call them is dead ends. A lot of these cold cases that Rachel's been trying to find usually kind of come to a dead end. There's some information, but not a ton. Well, there's enough that we can still create a podcast, but they're not going to be long. With that said, do you want to start this off? Sure. So this first one is in Butte, Montana. So on November 29th, 1994, Julianne Stallman was in her home in Butte, Montana. Someone had entered her home and stabbed Julianne to death in her kitchen. She had several stab wounds to her chest as well as her throat was slit. Julianne's son, who was an adult, um, was the one who discovered her the same day at about 6 p.m. There were no signs of a robbery or sexual assault. The back door to the kitchen was locked as usual, and the front door was most likely unlocked as Julianne typically didn't lock her front doors. So there is a thought that the intruder went through her front door. Police suspect it occurred between 3 to 5 p.m. since there were phone calls that happened before this time that were answered and phone calls between 3 to 5 that were not answered. In an interview on KXLF.com, Sheriff Ed Lester was assigned to this case in 2004. He says that, quote, Julianne's murder was one of the most violent crime scenes he had ever seen in Butte, unquote. I'm just thrown off by the fact she locks her front, or she doesn't lock her front door, but she locks her back door. Yeah, I mean, it was in 94, and I think people still weren't locking their doors as much as they do now. Especially if you're like in a smaller town, you're still kind of not likely to lock your door. Yeah, but the front door. Well, I think because, (laughs) you know, the thought process is suspicious people come through the back door to, you know, be sneaky about breaking in and people that you know come through the front door. I guess that's true. I, I, I can see the thought process there. Yeah. In an interview on Oxygen, investigator Paul Holes said, quote, what strikes me about Julie's murder scene is the amount of rage that the offender is expressing and the amount of fight that Julie was able to put back, unquote. And a lot of times when you're looking into these cases, they do say that stabbing crimes are more like intimate and violent crimes. So it's more likely that it's somebody that you know that's doing a, a stabbing crime. Really? Someone that's going to stab you is going to be somebody that you know? More likely, yeah. Because it's such an up close and personal attack. Weird. That, that's so. I mean, you got to have a lot of hate, I think, to do a, a stabbing crime. Well, yeah, because stabbings don't necessarily kill you very fast. Yeah. And so it is more like of a prolonged thing. You're never stabbed just once, you're stabbed many, many times. So it's someone that you hate is going to stab you. Most likely, yeah. We just want to take a moment to thank our awesome listeners for being here, for being a listener. And if you've been here for a little bit and would like to show your support for our podcast, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening. Somehow, some way, show your support. With that said, if you would not mind giving and sharing this out with a friend or family member, we would be super grateful. With that said, let's get back to the episode. So it's someone that you hate is going to stab you. Most likely, yeah. I mean, statistically, someone you know is who's going to murder you. Wait, did I did I say 
someone that you hate or someone that someone that hates you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone that hates you is going to stab you. Um, some male DNA was found at the scene on a rug and hand towel. But according to the oxygen interview, no DNA samples were taken from Julianne's body or clothes. However, investigator Holes had Julianne's clothes removed from evidence to be tested for DNA. There was, in fact, male DNA found on her jeans and shoes. I thought it was really weird they didn't take any, like, look for any DNA on her body because, like I said, like, that's an up-close personal attack and it's very likely that he touched her during that attack. Yeah, yeah, that's super weird. Um, Stabbing crimes are weird, too, because this is gross, but, like, your hand, there's so much blood, like, it's going to go all over the handle in your hand and so you're likely to, like, slip and cut yourself during it. So there's like DNA that way too. Yeah. Did they leave the, they left the knife. Was the knife knife behind? No. Or did it even say, um, it didn't, it said that they, the knife wasn't left behind. Oh. They're pretty sure that, um, it was one from her own kitchen. Mm. Julianne was still somewhat romantically involved with her ex-husband as well as with a former boyfriend at the time of her death. When interviewed, both of them denied any involvement in what happened to Julianne. The DNA found at the scene was compared to them, and it didn't match the ex-husband or the former boyfriend. Oh, so there was a third guy. There was like a weird love triangle. I mean, if she's already like messing around with the ex and a boyfriend at the same time, there's probably also somebody else that no one knew about. I mean, it is possible. And he got jealous? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Um, the DNA has been sent to a lab to compare it with any genealogical matches to see if they can find the killer through family DNA. But um, as of right now, they have no results on that. Oh, when did they get sent off? Um, I don't remember the year, to be honest. I think it was as early as like 2017, maybe 2019. How long does it usually take? I know that you probably know this better off the top of your head than me. It'll take a... It it varies wildly, varies wildly based on funding. So like states with more funding for that stuff will get it done faster. Also, um, the more high profile it is, it'll get done faster. But I would say a few months to a few years. Like this could be more high profile if people did more podcasts on it. Yeah. But it's hard to do a podcast on it when... You can hardly find anything on it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. There is a Montana murdery, mur- oh my gosh, a Montana murder mysteries podcast on this. I didn't find that it had a whole lot more information. They did have some like interviews on it, but it really wasn't a whole lot of more new information. And then on the Oxygen Network, there is an episode about this case on a show called The DNA of Murder with Paul Holes, that investigator. I was not willing to pay the $2 to watch it. Yeah. I mean, he probably doesn't have that much more information than we already you sh- just shared. Yeah, because I did read like the interview that Oxygen did with him on the case, and it was like... Yeah. Well, fair enough. This is the end of that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're already bitty because yeah. they sound really interesting, and then they don't... Well, they're just dead ends. There's not a lot of info. I mean, cold cases, dead ends. That's what this podcast is about. Give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. You said we can get a rating on Spotify. Yeah, you can rate us on Spotify too. That'd be sweet. Please do that. And share this with somebody that you know would find this fun or interesting. Also, you can, if you have any information on different cases that you would like to hear us cover or do a little bit more research on 
feel free to email us at Rocky Mountain Cold Cases at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.